Ready. Hey. Just in the middle of the field, 45, 50. Green grass in front of him, leaving Lions in his way. I am Jeff Joniak. Blitz is on. Down he goes. Brisker. What was it like playing for Coach Dicka? Uh, I don't want to answer any questions like that. 61 yards. Ooh. A Sunday stroll for Justin Fields. Now, Bears Etc. Brought to you by Miller Lite with the voices of the Bears, Jeff Joniak and Tom Thayer. Well, we have reached the pinnacle of podcast numbers. It is the Tom Thayer, Olin Krutz, Jack Sanborn, episode 57 of the Bears Etc. podcast with Super Bowl winning Bears guard Tom Thayer. I'm Jeff Joniak. I'm coming to you from the Scouting Combine in Indianapolis. Tom, I believe this is my 27th Combine out of the last 28 years. Uh, It's been crazy. I've enjoyed it. I've learned a lot. Wish you were here. Uh, You were a player, so you've been involved with plenty of Combines. Uh, Today was a big day for the Bears media and the fans. They heard from General Manager Ryan Poles. We're going to hear that entire 15 minutes with the media. Uh, Wish he had uh, a decision. Wish he had news, but uh, there's a long way. And, Tom, frankly, it would be egregious to just say, okay, this is what we're doing. They got to meet these guys. They got to explore. They got to listen. They got to listen probably twice as much as they speak in these situations and see what's offered out there. How do you, how do you, how do you put that on a bundle? Well, I'm going to analogize it for you. And I don't know if you're ever a fan of watching the World Series of Poker. No. When you get down to the final table and you have all these guys that are competing for millions of dollars in first place position, there's a lot of conversation there and nothing is ever said. I'm not going to tip you uh, my hand. I'm not going to give you any information. I'm not going to tell you what card I'm looking for. And that's when I was listening to Ryan Poles. And listen, I really respect the heck out of Ryan Poles and the way he speaks to the media because he's never searching for words. He's never looking for answers. He's never avoiding eye contact, but he's not going to tell you anything. And I think that's the way every general manager rides through the combine unless you're at the bottom of the barrel and you're trying to pick everybody's brain to see if there's any information that can help you. But Ryan is not going to help anybody until he does his due diligence. He does, he, you know, he's got his representatives that do nice investigative work and then it'll all come out on the day of the draft. Yeah. You know, or much before that involving if they're going to stick with Justin or they're going to draft somebody or they're going to keep both and work their way around that. But, you know, he's as transparent as they come, though, at the general manager position, from my experience. He doesn't need to tell you everything, but he does tell you his process. He's not shy about that. There are others that don't even give you that much detail. And by the way, this episode of Bears, etc., brought to you by Miller Lite. So, like you, I have a ton of respect for him and his staff and what they're doing here. This is this is rare. It's happened. Jacksonville, the most recent one, to have first-round picks back-to-back years that are the number one pick in the draft. But in terms of also having to make a decision on a former number one quarterback that has done a lot of nice things in the National Football League and is one of its most dynamic athletes that is still in your possession and what you could possibly do in many different cases. I know Ryan used the term hundreds of scenarios, and there may be. There may be that many scenarios. All right, you know what? Uh, what I really liked is the line that he referenced Jeff King, one of his scouts, is using when he's describing the quarterback. Artist or surgeon. You can kind of see who's the artist that's really creative, doesn't draw within the lines, and then there's more of the surgeons who are like the Brady's and the Paytons 
Peyton Manning reference there. And, and that is true. And, and he does talk about a little bit about, you know, Justin Fields and Caleb Williams, the comparisons there and arm angles and where they throw the ball from. A, a lot of ad lib in both of their games, but we see on tape at USC and Oklahoma in his two and a half seasons there, uh, those two colleges, uh, that, that, that this quarterback uh, does have some magician to him for sure. And uh, I don't know, I, where's the value in the magician of the surgeon, Tommy? <laughs> Well, you know, to me, when you look at Caleb Williams in his last year of college, he played with a very passive offensive line. So protection was never a guarantee. So a lot of times when you're looking at a surgeon, you're trying to make the best of what's offered to you. And so it wasn't going, okay, I can guarantee myself in a hostile environment that I'm going to have five or six seconds to look at downfield. I'm going to have to get out, get the ball out of my hands immediately. And sometimes it can be with pressure in my face. So then that, you know, computes to what type of arm angle you're going to use. And uh, again, just the reference by Jeff King, I thought it was, it was a good explanation of what a quarterback can be. Yeah. Well, why don't we take a listen right now? The 15 minutes with Bears general manager, Ryan Poles here from Indianapolis at the scouting combine. Addressing all topics, including kicking off with congratulations to the newest Bears Hall of Famers. All right, so uh, I'll jump right in, uh, kind of update on topics that have happened since the last time I spoke. So first, I just want to congratulate all of our guys that got into the Hall of Fame. I know our fans have been waiting, and they've been waiting for a long time. So I know the entire organization is uh, really excited for them. Um, Flues hit it yesterday, excited about our coaching staff we put together uh, moving forward. Shane and Eric and, and the rest of the crew um, were in good hands. They're going to do a really good job. I think Coach hit on all the topics, teachers, communicators. Um, Shane's got a really good feel for both the run and the pass game. Ability to uh, adapt and adjust in the things that we're looking for, so we're really pumped about that. Uh, Cody and Eddie, um, I know we put out a piece on, on them, but just want to say thank you to them for what they've done for the Bears. Um, we felt like it was the right time to give them an opportunity to, to go test the market and see what's out there for them. Um, I want to do right by them and, and do it as early as possible so they can put their plans in place. Um, but really thankful for their leadership and everything they brought to the organization. Um, Jalen Johnson, um, in the process of getting Jalen Johnson done, um, conversations are going well at this time. Uh, we feel like we've done a really good job um, kind of coming to the table strong, um, showing the respect um, that he's due just in terms of his production through his career and really an emphasis on the turnovers that he created this past year. Our expectation is that's going to continue to go um, as he's with the Bears. Um, when I say coming strong, it means cash flows are strong, guarantees are strong. Uh, the term is strong for him. Um, being hit with his age, uh, there's a really good opportunity for him to go back to the market again um, and continue to earn money and play well, and hopefully that's with the Bears for a long period of time. So I'm excited about that. Uh, like I've said about those deals all the time, it takes two to tango, and you got to find a, a place that everyone feels comfortable with. So uh, I feel really good about that situation. Now the hot topic. Uh, <laughs> the first pick, quarterback situation. Um, contrary to reports out there, I have no master plan to present to everyone today. Uh, this is an opportunity for us to continue to gather information, um, learn about the different players in the draft, um, listen to what opportunities could come up, um, and then at the end of the day, we're going to make the best decision um, that we can for the Chicago Bears. Uh, it will not be based on fear of what could happen with this and what could happen with that. We're going to put our information together and make the best decision because at the end of the day, we'll always throw our decision making against kind of our core kind of deal, which is win championships and sustain success for a long period of time. There's a lot that goes into that. 
uh, but we're excited to gather that information and, and create clarity uh, as we go along. Right. So, uh, what is what is your if you decide to draft a quarterback? What is your motivation to trade Justin before free agency starts, knowing that there might be a premium on that? Yeah, again, it just depends on what opportunities pop up. Um, I will say this. Um, I think you guys know me uh, well enough now. I do, if we go down that road, um, I want to do right by Justin as well. Uh, no one wants to live in gray. Um, I know that's uncomfortable. I wouldn't want to be in that situation either. So uh, we'll gather the information. We'll move um, as quickly as possible. We're not going to be in a rush um, and see what presents itself and what's best for the organization. Did you, did you talk to him? I know he made those comments last week about kind of living in limbo on this. Have you had conversations with him about where you guys are at right now in that process? Yeah, so I've always felt, and I told uh, told him this after uh, the season when we had our exit meetings, that you know transparency and communication is, is key in these moments. Um, and I told him we will do that. So I've been in contact with his team and, and kind of let him let them know like what we're looking at, um, how things might play out. Um, and that will continue to communicate as we move forward. Again, I understand how uncomfortable that is for him. Um, but again, like I told him, and he understands, I think he said it the other day too, it's, it's part of this business. It is a unique situation. So, uh, But yeah, I'll continue that communication with, Ryan, with them. Ryan, been part of the uh, evaluation process in Kansas City in 2017 with Mahomes. Yeah. How has that experience helped shape the way you go about evaluating quarterbacks and, and things you do in that regard? Yeah, my background is is I'm really fortunate to kind of see <clears throat> multiple phases and different types of processes put in place um, with, you know, bringing a quarterback in uh, from a trade to drafting. Um, so, again, there's, there's a process that we've learned in terms of tape watching and getting to know guys and bringing them in and spending time with them to feel comfortable with, with that setup. Um, so I can definitely tap into that experience. Right. In terms of Jalen Johnson, you said things are, are going well with him. Do you think it's more likely that there's a long-term deal with him than the franchise tag? I hope so. I'd like to avoid the franchise tag uh, for him. I think there's a really good space uh, for us to find a middle ground. Um, again, we always have the tag to, to use, um, but I really would like to, to get something done long term with him. Ryan, how do you view, philosophically, how do you view the draft assets you have, picking first and ninth? You would theoretically be targeting star players if you kept those picks yep. versus converting those into more picks, but they are lesser picks. Yeah, that that goes into the equation, right? I mean, you got to look at what's there in, in that area in terms of drafting. Um, again, you got to listen to the trade like you don't trade back one trade back two trade back 15 like that changes the dynamic based on where the board is set up i think i talked about that last year we'll end up counting the guys in certain spaces that we feel like can be impact players for our team um, so that goes in the equation as well um, but i think it's a really good opportunity to improve our football team and the other thing is like very open and understand that draft picks are just opportunity right you got to capture that you got to be right with your draft picks um so we understand that as well. I just on the process of evaluating the quarterbacks, obviously at the top of the draft there have been a lot of misses at the quarterback position. Yeah. What have you maybe learned about what goes into making a player, you know, a great quarterback at the next level? Yeah, um, there's a lot there, right? It's like what's the infrastructure look like, what's around the player. I think that's key, um, and I think that's probably uh, mess with the numbers a lot when you're talking about the top of the draft. I think that's what makes our situation unique and why we have to really do a deep dive in, into it. Um, I think the person is a huge part. I've talked about that a lot. What's the makeup, the leadership? How do they handle pressure? Um, how do they handle pressure in a big city like ours? Um, so a lot of those factors go in. Ryan, I know you said you weren't going to make a big 
reveal today in terms of what, have, you're, of yeah, what you're doing. I have nothing to reveal at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, I, I totally... I wish I did. Yeah, I know. That's what I wait. Yeah, that's what I wait. Um, <laughs> I, I, I totally understand that. But uh, do you have an idea, like, how? what's the percentage of what you think you know right now ahead of the combine? Like, how important is the combine in making the decision? Yeah, right now it's like a hundred different scenarios that you go down and, and try to plot out and you're forecasting forward to see what's going to work out and probabilities and, and things like that. But at the end of the day, the human being part, getting to know someone, um, getting to know a group of people is really going to determine that out. there's going to be options um, <clears throat> that pop up all the time that you don't see coming. I think I said it last year, like something will happen at some point in the next few months that no one expects. Right. Um, so you got to be on your toes for that. So the picture will change as we go. Right, right. Right. If you trade the number one mindset this year with the number one overall pick than what you had last year at the time? Um, no, I mean, it's a it's unique, right? Um, but I would say our approach is exactly the same in terms of we got to look at every option and, and determine what is best for our team. Um, obviously, we chose to trade back last year, and I think that that helped our uh, a team out a lot. So um, again, we'll we'll do a deep dive and, and see how it plays out. When you, when you, when you evaluating the prospects, if you can gathering information, do you have any concern at all that Caleb Williams or the team around him don't want to play in Chicago? No, no, no concerns about that at all. I I would love to know why if that was the case. Like I said, I think. Um, as a young quarterback, and I've been around it, the infrastructure is important, and I think we've made really good progress in terms of having really good infrastructure for whoever were to come in or if Justin were to stay here as well. In, in terms of your quarterback evaluation when you were in Kansas City, Cliff Kingsbury said that you know uh, Patrick Mahomes and Caleb Williams are eerily similar. When you watch the tape, do you see that? There's pieces. There's pieces that are similar. Uh, obviously, the one that stands out to everyone is just different arm angles. Um, that's a unique trait. Not a lot of guys um, can do that. Uh, I give Jeff King, um, who's on my team, credit. He he painted a picture of, you know, there's two types of quarterbacks. There's artists and then there's surgeons. Um, so within that group, you can kind of see who's the artist crate that's really creative, um, doesn't draw within the lines, where there's more of surgeons who are, you know, like your typical, like the Brady's and Peyton's. So, <laughs> Um, we kind of branch them out on those buckets and go from there. So that's where they're, they're similar. Is there a percentage you prefer with artists and surgeons? No. Winners. <laughs> <laughs> if you do move off the number one pick, we've heard crazy, we've heard historic, all those adjectives used for the amount of compensation you need. What what are you looking for? Yeah, it's hard to say right now. Um, but it's it's got to help our organization significantly to, to move around um, because we saw what it did last year. Um, and I'm looking for that type of return to continue to improve our football team. Right. Like, when do you want to know what you're going to do? Tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> no, in all seriousness, no, before no, free agency? I would, I would love to know as soon as possible. Right. I mean, I, I mean, I would love to know, um, but I know that's not how the process works. Um, you know, there's sure before free agency would be good. Like I said, I'm also taking, um, you know, if we were to do something with Justin, like I want to do right by him. Um, and I know, again, living in that gray space, you would want to do something sooner rather than later. Um, but just like I talk about with contracts, it takes two teams to figure that out. Um, 
but at the same time, we're also trying to figure out the draft process as well. So there's a lot of different things with different timelines going, and that's what makes it a little Ryan, bit difficult. Ryan, part of your process over the next six weeks, what do you see as the, the best way for you to evaluate the wiring of quarterbacks? What, what do you like to do to, to learn who they are? Yeah, spend time. Spend time. That's, I mean, any type of relationship, you know, it's, it's time on task and um, just kind of getting to know the personality. Um, there's been a ton of information gathering from my team just in terms of teammates, coaches, things like that. Um, but you got to spend time with a, another person to really understand the, the wiring. Are what, you, what are you trying to feel out in that process? What are you looking for from that? Position? Yeah, you look for examples of dependability. You're looking selflessness, leadership, um, <laughs> ownership. You know, like I think it's hard these days to find people that, you know, hey, this is wrong. And it's like, yeah. It was wrong. This is what I have to do to correct it, rather than just kind of BSing your way through it. So, um, yeah, with Tom Montask and spending time with these guys, you'll get to know some of those things. Ryan, so are, you, are you expecting? Are you expecting a busier combine than usual? Like I'm imagining, you're going to be a pretty popular guy this so week. Everybody yeah. wants to buy you dinner and yeah. talk about all these different assets that you might trade. I mean, is it going to be a different combine for you? Yeah, it feels that way. Yeah. Has it already started? Oh yeah, my phone won't stop. <laughs> how, how, how aggressive are people? How aggressive are people with? Fishing for information from other teams to see what you want to do with that. Yeah, it's you know it starts slow. We were at the Senior Bowl. I know people are kind of poking around. There, I haven't had like big time conversations with anyone, uh, but everyone wants to you know take a temperature of what's going on. Every um, time someone approaches you. Yeah, yeah. How would you say last year's trade worked out for you guys for the Panthers and even Houston that didn't get the number one pick? Yeah. Um, I'll only comment on us. I thought it, it worked out really well. Um, just adding two good players like Darnell and, and DJ. Um, had no idea this would work out where it would be the first overall pick, uh, but I would say that's successful. Um, and then, you know, a future two as well. So uh, it worked out well for us, and we'll keep growing up with that. You, you did say like that. universally loved Justin is by this team. Have you thought about what that conversation is going to be like? If, if you do trade and what you're going to like delivering that message to the team? Yeah. Um, you know, he's a leader. Every, everything our guys have said is true, and not surprised our guys have said what they have said. I feel the same way. Um, and I think sometimes this whole thing gets, you know, Justin versus another person. Um, and I have to look at it a little bit differently. I take that into effect. That's why the person is so important when we evaluate other people that would come in, in that position. Um, but also, it's my job to think of the long term, and, and a lot of our guys kind of don't don't see that. That's not their, their job to do that, and they defend their guy, which I think speaks volume, volumes about our culture in our locker room. I mean, you've made big trades before. Would that cause a, is there anxiety that comes with that for someone who would have to deliver that sort of news? No, because I have faith um, in our ability to communicate with our guys, um, and when we do that, I think they'll know that it's in the best interest of of the team, and I think. As we've moved along here, I think the, the, the trust factor is there that they're in good hands with however we decide to kind of pull well, it when you Time, 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 time line-wise, for the college quarterbacks, do you really need to get all the way to private workouts, bringing them in the building to know, and how would that impact your decision with, with Justin? Um, yeah. So, you know, again, the different, there's a lot of different timelines going, so uh, being creative with, with finding time to, to spend with the different prospects and, and if we can get a private workout, things like that, that does help come to conclusion and, and kind of fill in all the boxes that you need to fill in. If you identify a quarterback prospect as your guy, is there any price that can move you off of your guy? Um, it'll be our guy. 
right? Like it's it's not about me at all. Um, that's hard to answer right now because I need kind of the whole puzzle put together to to figure that out. Uh, Ryan Poles at the podium seemed relaxed. He seemed vibrant, energetic. He was direct. It wasn't somebody that looked like he had the weight of the world on his shoulders, despite the fact he does, but in a good way, because whatever happens, uh, whatever happens, the Bears are going to get better from this. They're going to be a better football team. They're going to uh, cash in on some assets. And uh, this team that got better as the season wore on a year ago, and now have filled many holes, but still some to go, they're going to be a better team. And the bottom line is you got to get the quarterback right. There's a quote today from Andy Reid, Tommy, Kansas City Chiefs head coach of the podium. What advice would you give to a young person trying to break into the business of coaching? Work hard, be honest, dot, 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 and get a good quarterback. Well, he had Donovan McNabb, and now he's got Patrick Mahomes. He also had... Uh, some really good quarterbacks, Alex Smith, and some others along the way. But uh, without it, you're not winning. But, you know, one thing about Ryan Poles, I think Ryan Poles has learned from every one of his football experiences. Uh, life as a football player, as an offensive lineman, and through the different front offices he's worked with. And when you think about the time that he had in the front office with the Kansas City Chiefs, I think he learned a lot about the process of picking a quarterback from the process that he lived through with the Kansas City Chiefs. So hopefully um, a lot of the information he learned, the the details of uh, that quarterback evaluation class will pay dividends this year. Matt Eberflus also spoke to the entire media in the convention center up here in Indianapolis, and so he answered uh, some of these same questions. One of them was what he's looking for in an ideal quarterback. Yeah, the wiring of a quarterback obviously is uh, number one is leadership. You know, you have to be a great leader. You got to be resilient. Uh, you got to be able to handle criticism. You know, and then obviously the physical traits. You know, that's that's a big part of it. Um, you know, you know the accuracy, the timing, the the platform, all the things you talk about with that, and then being a winner. You know, that's what that's what it comes down to. Um, all these teams that uh, that do things at the end of the season, they they have winners at the quarterback spot. Yep, so leadership at the beginning of that, and uh, you got to be a winner. That was his final aspect of it. Everything else is, is an obvious. It's the accuracy. It's, it's how you play the game. It's how you execute the offense. It's how you move the chains. It's, as you always say, it's how you get those first downs. So uh, that's a blanket statement about, he, about what he wants. It doesn't give you any insight into who they're going to go with or what their direction is going to be. But this is what every head coach is looking for. This is what every general manager is looking for. And not everybody has one of those guys in their building. But, you know, sometimes the evidence in the description of what you're looking for in a quarterback is not evident until you get on the football field. But leadership you can see in a lot of a lot of different ways. You can see it as how you transfer information from the meeting room to the field. What do you do inside the weight room? What is your attitude like inside the locker room? How do you incorporate your teammates to make yourself a better football player, and how do you make them better at their skills? So there's a lot of different details when you look at the qualifications of a quarterback, but leadership is obviously right there up at the top. And, you know, from the Dan Marino area to the Peyton Manning era, you know, leadership is a qualification that, oozes out of them when you see what their success and their track record became. You know, the other thing, too, is leadership is, to me, defined in many different ways. So there's a visual aspect to it, how they carry themselves, their body language, and I I take great value in that. Uh, It is how you are at the podium, 
because when you're talking, you're talking to your team nowadays because of, of the internet and because of X and Twitter and Instagram or whatever. Uh, but you're also talking to your fans. You're answering questions like a CEO. Uh, but it's also that unwavering belief in each other that you're going to pull the very best out of your teammates. And whenever you hear NFL films and you got these quarterbacks mic'd up or on the defensive side of the ball, some great players from from your era and Mike Singletary and Hamp and those guys to the current modern-day players, there's certain guys, and there's only so many, that say, hey, follow me. We're going to get it done. Let's go. And and that's also hard to find and rare to find. And, and you know, Patrick Mahomes is that right now. He is that guy. He is not scared one bit of the bright lights in the biggest moments, and he just finds a way. And, and he's doing it not necessarily with all-pro talent at every single position. He's doing it with a seventh-round running back. He's doing it with probably a bunch of number three wide receivers, and he's doing it with an all-pro tight end. Uh, he's doing it because he's great at what he does, and, and they believe in him, and he believes in them. Yeah. But you know, I, I, one thing about being a leader, a quarterback, a position player in the NFL, you can't be an introvert. It's not something that you're going to walk around the locker room and just keep it to yourself. Uh, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, in order to accept that leadership role, you're going to have to be a little extroverted. And I'm not saying a guy like DJ Moore, who doesn't seem to be the most extroverted of type of guy, but he can be a leader by example. And he can be a leader by his toughness, his dedication, his ability to rebound from a hard hit and go out and make a difficult catch. But uniquely enough, when you're the quarterback, you're working, you're tugging the rope in a lot of different ways. I'll tell you another thing. I think it would really help if a true leader on the offensive line emerges. A guy that everybody looks to, they respect, they know they're going to get the best from this guy, they know he's going to show up every day, and he's going to keep that, cobble that group together and be there for his quarterback. And whether that's the center or if it's a star tackle or if it's the – it doesn't matter who it is. And they can all be that guy too, but – I think I think that's necessary also. Amen. Yeah. There has got to be a guy that the role of the offensive line is important to the success of the team. And the role of the offensive lineman and their success, it, it transfers from the practice field to the weight room, to the meeting room, to the uh, camaraderie that they develop amongst each other that includes all of the offensive linemen on the team, just not one to two to five of them. And um, – I, I think that, you know, extroverted alpha male is is really needed on this team. Whatever direction the Bears go here at center and whatever direction they go at quarterback, Tommy, uh, I initially thought this was my feeling. I was like, okay, there's some really good young centers, it appears, and, and there's one I already, you know, circled and we've talked about him. <laughs> the, the kid from Oregon, he's right. 20 years old. But uh, is there something to be said for having a veteran center that's been around the block that can help alleviate and close the gap again it's another new offense yes it may be similar to the, to the last offense but it's there's going to be different language there's going to be different it's going to be a different offense it's a collaboration of a bunch of people here would it would help to help identify defense take one more layer away from whomever is quarterbacking the bears in 2024 and beyond what where, where would you go here that's not a necessity to me. I want ability. I want growth. I want potential. I want a developed relationship between whomever the quarterback is in the development of the offensive line. And we've seen guys come aboard. Um, 
you know, Linderbaum from the rookie quarterback that plays for the Baltimore Ravens. When he came out of Iowa, everybody knew that no matter where he was drafted, he was going to be the first guy yep. to line up on the first day of practice. Creed Humphrey, so think, Kansas City. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think they're those guys that can come aboard a football team um, and they know what their role is immediately. And they're willing to absorb all the pressure that goes along with it because they know how to perform and Listen, you know, you're going to go from college football playing with 11 guys to going to the NFL playing against 11 guys. And you're not going to, you know, you're going to have a lot of similarities in the calls that they make from their college years to their NFL years. For all your journeys ahead, go with a partner who's been on your team from the beginning, the one members and communities have trusted for over 85 years, Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Illinois, always standing by you, with you, for you, through it all. Uh, Matt Eberflus, also, uh, this is now, uh, it's a thing. It's, it's, a, it's a trend. It's not going away. The Bears now have 25 coaches, 25 coaches. On both sides of the ball, there's a run coordinator and a pass game coordinator throughout the league. Almost every team has populated them, and that was a, a subject for Matt Eberflus at the podium today. Why this angle, particularly on the offensive side of the ball, when you have an offensive coordinator, you have a run game coordinator, and you have a pass game coordinator. Yeah, that's a great question, and I really think it's imp- it's important so they're all cohesive. You know, I really uh, sat down and met with all three of those guys individually and at the same time, um, and uh, our offense is going to be a direct reflection of those three relationships, um, how we coordinate the run, the pass, you know, and uh, overall coordination um, of those in situations um, during the course of the game. So I think that's why we did it, and, uh, I, and I know that's why we did it. And uh, it's, it's going to be exciting to watch going forward. And Coach is referring also to, you know, in-game is important as well. He is going to be calling the plays on defense. That's a preoccupation of, of importance also in the greater scheme of things. But he wanted more communication and more continuity. And uh, how do you feel about it? Is it okay if I disagree with it? Oh, you could. <laughs> okay. Tom, I'm not so telling you I, what to say. Well, let me give you an example. So earlier in the year, Right around the first game of the year, or second game of the year, they had an interview with Justin, who Justin said something at the podium about too many voices in his head. Then he had to go right and meet the media right after the practice and kind of re-reference what he was trying to say. When I go back and I look at the team picture of the 85 Bears, and there's Coach Ditkin, he's got nine assistant coaches. And they had things done more archaically Um, in that day when they were drawing things by hand and they were doing all the work themselves. And I don't want to get too many voices in the same room that creates mass confusion. And then there's too many topics of discussion that could go down different avenues by in different ways. And listen, I, and I understand it is the way that the modern day coaching staffs are put together. But when you go back and you look at the George Allens and the Chuck Knowles and the Tom Landrys and the Don Shulas and the guys that were super successful throughout their eras of coaching, it was their mantras, too many guys makes a confusing facility. And so um, I, I don't mean to offend anybody, but I just don't agree with it. 
Uh, also, Eberflus uh, had a lot of conversation with Pete Carroll about Shane Waldron after that uh, Seattle situation moved in a different direction. He talked about that and what he learned from Carroll. Yeah, I had a real long conversation with Pete, you know, when uh, that whole thing went down. We were in the interview process, and he just gleaned about Shane and talked about him um, at length, about his ability to adapt and adjust and what he did with the quarterbacks that were there in Seattle. So I was very comfortable um, moving forward with Shane in that. And it's really about his track record, right? You know, so when you have a current head coach or his, his head coach that was with him, say those words about him and talk to me at length about it, and then me watch the tape, and then what he actually did with all those quarterbacks, uh, to me that's proof. And a lot of those quarterbacks, Geno Smith, one of them, uh, certainly made him a whole heck of a lot better of a quarterback, getting rid of the ball quicker. Drew Locke also had some success, did so with Russell Wilson as well. You know, one of the things that I really like about uh, this whole situation with Eberflus right now, he's – they interviewed so many guys. They learned a lot of information. They took something out of everything. They went through the process. And it wasn't just a handful of guys. He placed phone call. He did, they did their due diligence, it sounds like, in, in a really deep way this year. I mean, they interviewed a lot of guys for every position. And, and here is where now they pull it all together. And they got a couple of months to figure it out once the offseason program begins April 15th. Goes to about June 14th, and we'll see how they get ready for a training camp, which could be a long training camp this year if they go to the Hall of Fame game. Uh, but I like at least that they they are doing everything they possibly can to overturn every stone and rock to make sure they are setting up the players for success. And now let's pull it all together, everybody pulling on the same rope as you just said, and let's go to town. Let's see see how, see what we get. Yeah, <clears throat> you know, to me, with when you look at a guy like Shane Waldron. The evidence is what they are able to accomplish with the position and the person that they coached. And to me, and we've talked about this before, is you know I kind of lost a little faith in Geno Smith. And then he was a hard guy not to pay attention to over the last couple of years because he was at performing at such a high level in such a different confidence level. And so I love to see what this uh, Shane Waldron was able to do and accomplish with Geno Smith. And that tells me all I need about a, a coach if I never had the opportunity to co talk to co Coach Pete Carroll, who I think is a heck of a coach. But really, Shane is the reflection of what he did with Geno Smith to tell me what I want to see out of the quarterback position development. Busy Heart Seltzer, flavors for every vibe. Celebrate responsibly. Molson Coors Beverage Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Jeff and Tom on 57. How about 5-7 on the podcast already? You're feeling proud. You're, you're, you're walking tall today. Yeah. I, hey, listen, for the other guys that have worn the jersey 57 throughout the history of the Chicago Bears, um, I'm al always proud to see that number on the back of someone's jersey at a, at a game, whether it's Sanborn, Crutes, or myself. Uh, according to ESPN Stats and Information, Bears became the first team in the common draft era since 1967 to be the number one overall pick one season after trading it. That's a, a little nugget. I think we've heard that before. And, and in reference to what's going on about Justin, yes, you have to be, you have to put the team first. You have to think about what's best for the franchise. And you also, also at the same time, want to be respectful and transparent to Justin Fields, whether you're going to be back with us or we're going to move in a different direction. And here's a the great quote we heard from Paul. I think it's my job to think of the long term. And a lot of our guys kind of don't see that. It's not their job to do that, and they defend their guy, which I think speaks volumes about our culture in that locker room because every time 
DJ Moore gets a microphone in his face. The first question is, like NFL Network did just on Monday, you know, the, what do they expect these guys to say? They're not; these guys are tight. They're not gonna, they're not gonna bash their quarterback. They're not gonna bash their teammate. That's not how this works around the league. But Ryan knows what he knows, and he's got to do what's best for the franchise. Right, but you know the thing about it too, Jeff, is you can't give Justin Fields a conclusive answer because Correct. the first thing they're going to do is go onto social media and tell everybody what he was told, and then it's just going to play the hand early by Ryan Pohl. So you know, um, it, it, it's just the business; it's the business process of the NFL um, and the draft and talent evaluation and trying to make sure that you're in the best position for your team to succeed. They're not looking at things from the individual part. They're looking at it from the team part. All right, so their interviews started already this week before these guys start doing interviews with the media on Wednesday here at the Combine. I'm talking about the 300-some players here for uh, their job interviews, and a lot of it then is meeting with teams at night. And uh, I never asked you this before. I, we only think, think about you throwing up 225 pounds or whatever it was, or uh, I don't know. Did you run a 40? <laughs> I don't even know. Yeah. Did you? Okay. But I did everything. Okay. I did listen, the, I listen, yeah. I got to ask this question. Did you sit like, did you have the interviews, the speed dating interviews with multiple teams or not? Yeah. Okay. I I've did. never asked. So what did, what kind of things did they ask you? Did they ask you to go on the board and draw a play? And did they ask you did, did they test you and say, okay, here's what we run this particular play and this particular down and distance, and they it, it let it linger and we want you to think about it, and then half hour later, hey, tell us what that play was. Do they, did they do that to you? And if so, what do you remember? Anything stick out? No, it, it was more of, uh, hey, Tom, you played a lot of different positions during your college career. You, you played defensive line to center to, to uh, both offensive guards to left tackle. Why do you think you moved around so much? Um, what you know? What did you learn from each of your positions? Um, what is your what is your commitment to the game? Do you see yourself being a football player for the next ten years? Um, are you going to graduate on time? Um, how do you feel about you know the the fact that you know you had a losing season at Notre Dame and what was contributing to that? Um, you know. It, it's of all of them investigating at that time your commitment to the game. Yeah. Did they ask you to draw plays? No. They didn't ask you about stuff like that? Well, did they no. ask you to did – they, did, they, did they challenge you in any way that kind of got your blood up a little bit? Um, just one offensive line coach uh, that made me do some footwork drills in front of them. And um, as soon as I got done, he looked and he goes, I don't think you got it. Oh. What? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't. Now, I'm not asking you to name the guy. Don't do it. No, I'll, I'll, Who was it? I would it? tell you, and I'd tell you what team it was. <laughs> <laughs> Are you willing to spill the beans now? It, it was Jerry Wampler, and he was the offensive line coach for Philadelphia at the time. And since I had some experience of playing offensive tackle, he had me do these offensive tackle footwork drills at the Combine. And then after I did all these footwork drills, he just shook his head and he goes, I don't think he got it. Wow. And, and I know how gosh darn sensitive you can be. At that, at that, wait, yeah. at, that, at that moment, were you ready to just, were you thinking, oh my God, if he thinks that, then possibly 20 other teams think that? Or did it make you so mad like, 
this guy. I, I said, I said, I don't think you're right. And then why did you make me do the drills for so long? If this was what you're going to tell you, this is what you're going to say. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. I wouldn't want to be in the room when that happened with you. <laughs> well, you know what, Jeff, again, we went to three combines. Yeah. We didn't get everything one. So yeah. uh, I always say we went to one in Tampa, one in Detroit and, and one in Seattle. And uh, so you did it multiple weeks in a row. So that one is the only time that they caught me off guard because I came in and was super confident in the way I was walking into these interviews because we were walking in in a T-shirt and a pair of gray shorts. You know, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like it is today. Let me ask you this then. If, if you're a modern-day player today and you know you're kind of advising some offensive linemen, these kids, you've been working with them for the past couple months since the season ended, and they're going to go in today's interviews, which can be a little different. They're asking you if you're a dog or a cat or blah, 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 blah. They're asking some weird stuff as well. What advice would you give today's players about what to say about themselves and not be programmed like their agents do program them if they've had something in their past or if they didn't play and they didn't start a game until their senior year or whatever the case may be, what would you advise? Uh, be over-enthusiastic of every team that you're walking into and don't think of that of, uh, if I'm a kid from Cincinnati and I don't want to go to Seattle, then go in there uh, with the Seattle Seahawks and act like you have a, a piss-poor attitude or poor attitude because they talk, a talk about it amongst themselves after meetings. Uh, go in there and tell them that you're definitely committed to the NFL for as long as you can possibly play, how much you love the game of football, the support of your family, and just, you know, how important it's been, you know, to the to get you into position in life of, you know, your college degree and how much you've been able to accomplish and just uh, paint them a picture of, you know, over, you know, over enthusiasm. And you know what, I got to tell you, so my brother-in-law, who I learned a lot about, was going through the combine process a little bit um, two years before me, and he kind of portrayed the opportunity to re rely, count on his education or his music ability, and that football maybe not was the most important thing in to his future, and it affected him. And rather than being a first rounder, he slipped down to the fourth round, and so. Uh, he, you know, yeah. one thing I learned is he said, look, no matter who you're talking to, you paint an enthusiastic picture like this is the most important thing to you and your future. Well, what's the number one thing Matt Eberflus talks about all the time? Love of the game. I got, I love yeah. the game. I love the game. And he's trying to find those guys. We know it's hard to find 53 of them. You hope you find 22 of them at least to start on Sundays. Uh, but it is hard to find those guys and to try to weed through uh, their emotions, their thoughts, and not only their tape, but you know how they how they approached the game. You could uh, you could be a great athlete and not love the game, and you're not relying on your just your athletic traits. But if you don't love the game, you're not going to invest yourself and be absolutely passionate about it. And that's my thing. I'd say, hey, I'm obsessed with football. I'm obsessed about being great. I'm obsessed about winning. That's that's what needs to come out of my mouth if I'm one of these well, guys today. And then I got to show them and, and give them examples of that being truthful. 
I, I, I reference this all the time, and I don't realize the importance until Mike Ditka had the word inscribed on the side of our Super Bowl ring. Right. Ace, attitude, character, enthusiasm. And you think about that, Jeff. At, what's your attitude? Am, you know, attitude, character, enthusiasm. You know, and I just remember watching Hard Knocks one time, and I was watching a rookie that had the worst attitude I've ever seen on Hard Knocks. And he had to be walked to the practice field every day and kind of encouraged and brought this bad attitude out of him. And, and try, the coaches tried to convince him how important football was and everything. And um, I, I just really didn't want We don't have time for that in the NFL. We, we don't have no. time to. Like, it's, it's about now. For all your journeys I, I ahead. Laugh be- I, I laugh because that player ended up playing for the Bears. Don't and say so, it. I don't want to. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> for all your journeys ahead, go with a partner who's been on your team from the beginning, the one members and communities have trusted for over 85 years. Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Illinois, always standing by you, with you, for you, through it all. Jeff and Tom here, episode 57, some other nuggets. So a very, very significant one is Jalen Johnson. And I thought uh, – Ryan Poles was outstanding, came right to the, hey, yep. listen, we want him. We're giving him an outstanding offer. It's going to check a lot of boxes for him and us. We hope we can meet and, and get this thing done. He can also, he's young enough where he can have another bite of the apple later in his career. So if you're getting a chance right. at a third contract with the same team or uh, whatever the case may be, you're going to make yourself a lot of money in the NFL. Corners are getting paid a lot of money. And uh, Matt Eberflus also. Very high on where they're at right now with Jalen Johnson and his impact on this football team. Yeah, a lot. You know, so um, I'm so proud of Jalen, the way he improved um, and the way he really took the challenge to to be a ball guy. And and he certainly did that. Um, he's a great leader, in our, not only in our defensive back room, but in our whole defensive room, too. Um, and he's really starting to be a, a, a really good leader in our whole football team. So. I'm excited about him. Again, like Ryan said this morning, you know, we obviously want to get him to a long-term deal. I hope they're close. I hope it works out. Uh, but uh, certainly excited. We'll be excited to have him back. Well, they're trying to avoid the franchise tag here, which, you know, is, it would pay him a lot of money. But, you know, that, that players don't love that, obviously. It's, it's, in the, it's in the holster in case you need it. But a long-term deal would send a nice message to the rest of the defense. He is well-liked in that locker room. Key part of a very aggressive young secondary, which we think, until further notice, is the strength of this football team. It is. I mean, it's the strength of the football team, uh, and they're going to be adding another safety here to the mix. But I I think it would be a big thing. You know, I'm looking at the cornerback market out there, and, you know, you never can have enough corners. And he's right near the top of the list. Jerry Sneed of, uh, of Kansas City is in that mix. A bunch of guys from the Patriots, Stephon Gilmore, Steven Nelson, there's a bunch of them, but Jalen Johnson is right there at the top. Yeah, but, you know, the thing about it is his leadership role he's going to have to accept. When you get rid of Eddie Jackson and now you're elevated to the senior most member of that defensive backfield with a bunch of young kids by your side, now Jalen Johnson has to lead by example. Um, you know, the the workout, you know, the, the meeting room work ethic, the practice field work ethic, the game day seriousness. So you're not only paying Jalen Johnson to come out here and be a Sunday cornerback, you're asking Jalen Johnson to come into that facility each day and be an example of leadership 
to a, a really young group of defensive backs. Safety position, Brisker, we know what he's all about. He is uh, a guy that plays with passion. He's a guy who loves the game. He loves to hit you. He loves to be around the football. He's always around the football. I know he missed some interceptions a year ago that he uh, probably is still thinking about. He watches a ton of tape, and he does throughout the offseason. Uh, Matt Eberflus on what type of safety they're looking for. Yeah, you're looking for a guy that pairs well with him. You know, Jaquan is a guy that's a strong safety. He comes down, man's tight ends. Uh, he's a big hammer. Um, the guy that we'll be looking for has got to have athletic ability. He's got to have range. He's got to have great communication skills. Um, and he's got to have ball skills. You know, we want all of our guys to have the ability to take the ball away. Um, and he has to have that too. And then then eventually grow into a leader. You know, if it's a, if it's a free agent, he's going to have to feel the temperature of the room and then and, and dive into the leadership role. And if it's a rookie, he's going to have to develop that with the other guys. Yeah, they could go two ways here. Uh, hearing just from scouts, the safety group is is maybe not the, the, the greatest this year coming out of the combine. There is a number of veteran safeties, Tom, uh, at, at least 10 or 12 that are on the free agent market that would get your attention. Uh, but what kind of safety, you heard what Matt says about it, what kind of safety do you envision back there? Uh, versatile. Um, I think when you look at what Kyler Gordon's capable of, what Jaquan Brisker's capable of, if you could have another interior safety that can allow you to shift and change and attack from different angles from that defensive back position, including the corner blitzes, I know your favorite, but you got to have a guy that has that versatility. You know, talented tight ends, talented running backs out of the backfield, talented third receivers. Um, you know, we talked about it before. I think if they do, um, if there's a cornerback out there that they had special interest in, and you could take a guy like Tyreek Stevenson and move him to that free safety position, um, I still love his tackling willingness, uh, his talent. It's uh, sometimes um, convenient to take a corner and move him to safety because you add that element of speed to the interior of your defense. But if the Bears go out there and identify that there is a, you know, a veteran out there that fits this defensive perfectly, uh, I think Ryan Poles, you know, would be willing to take a feeler on on that contributor. Game day snacking calls for good foods. Chunky guacamole made with Haas avocados, tomatoes, onions, cilantro, and a squeeze of lime juice. It's the perfect snack to watch while the Bears win. Score one today at your local grocery store. Game day is guac day. Uh, there's also a priority to get another edge defender. and We all know it. Everybody knows it. Uh, Montez Sweat had a great year. And now uh, another dangerous player on the outside is something Matt Eberflus is looking for. Yeah, we have we have several other priorities uh, for sure. So ordering them is really not uh, we're not there yet. But uh, you know certainly pass rusher is one of them. You know we got to make sure that we have somebody opposite you know Sweat and make sure we can never have enough of those guys because they affect the game most. No question about it, they affect the game most. No truer words are spoken, Tommy. We discuss it all the time. Just watch playoff football. Edge rushers, pass rushers, interior rushers affect the game in a big way. Yeah, but, you know, Jeff, you know, given the amount of money that they've just um, given Montez Sweat, to me, if I'm going to look for an edge rusher, I want to find a young guy in the draft because it's almost resetting the financial commitment to the quarterback position. You don't want to go out there and get that free agent that's going to expect an enormous amount of money. Tell me a guy that I can bring here from the college football game bring him into my team and kind of grow him into the system from the very beginning. Um, so to me, if I'm going to look at that edge position, I'm going to go out there 
and find a college guy that, hey, maybe you're not counted on to come in here and play first or first and second down immediately, but can you give me pass rush on third down, second long? If I can find that guy, that's going to pique my interest from the college yeah. game. Maybe you do both. Uh, again, I, I'm I'm cons- I'm taking financial consideration into account as much as I am, um, you know, what the position, what the productivity is going to offer me in the long run. All right, some other notes uh, on the division, Tommy, is popping up. T- uh, today, Tuesday, is uh, all about the coaches. They'll do some tomorrow as well as the start of the players on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, but in Minnesota, uh, there's there's growing talk that uh, the Vikings may, in fact, try to keep Kirk Cousins, who's coming off of that Achilles injury. He just started working again. There was some video of him taking some snaps and so forth. Uh, I mean, if I'm them, I got – you know, that's, that's – it's something I got to really consider uh, because where they're at in the draft, are they going to be able to get somebody that they feel comfortable with that can step in and start at this point? And their number one goal this offseason, according to their general manager, and it's by far is getting a, a deal done with Justin Jefferson. He called him the best receiver in the NFL, and he should be compensated as such, adding that uh, Jefferson, he believes, is also the best non-quarterback and could be uh, should be compensated as such. I do believe and I think I've said this many times, he's the best single player, regardless of position, in my opinion, in the division. I don't know if you share that opinion, but Justin Jefferson is, when he when he's he, he's uncomfortable at times. He is that good you know, of a route runner and that threat. He is. And with a complimentary receiver like Addison, yeah. I mean, um, I, I think it makes him even more dangerous. However, um, would would make me nervous if I was a Minnesota Vikings and I was going to re-sign Kirk Cousins. I would always have always have a re-injury concern in the back of my mind. And their tight end got hurt late in the year, yeah. so it's not like you're going Hawkinson. to have T.J. Hawkinson there on on the field immediately. So now, yeah, if you had Kirk Cousins coming back with an offensive line that was good at pass protection, you had those two outside wide receivers that are very good, very fast, very clever, and you had the tight end. Then I would say, wow, you know, this veteran quarterback is a no-brainer. However, when you got to think of all the, you know, moving parts to those decisions, if they feel Kirk Cousins is the best, then that's what they got to believe in. Packers are the youngest team in football last year. They did a great job drafting, and uh, they've got position uh, flexibility to do so again. I know they need a safety, so we'll be we'll be battling for safeties, whether it be on the free agent market or in the draft with the Green Bay Packers, Tommy. Yeah, what is Jordan Love's contract situation? When do they have to well, re-up they, him? Well, they gave him an extension last year. Not oh, a long right. not a long right. one, but so enough to yeah, they'll they'll have to address it down the road, but not immediately. Yeah. But that's not an immediate concern. So they do have the luxury of this year of making some decisions whether they want to go into the veteran market for a position they need, maybe offensive line or you know, uh, you, you know what where, where they're going to set their sights on if they feel their new defensive coordinator wants to bring in a specific type of, you know, enhancement to their uh, their defensive, what they're going to pl- – how they're going to play defense. Tastes like Miller time. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. Matt Eberflus likes doing things a little different in the, uh, the interview process. So a year ago it was uh, challenging the, the individuals to pick darts or putt. And when he was asked uh, how that is going to transpire at the Combine Circuit 2024, 
and it looks like he's going back to the same well. Yeah, it'll be the same process. You know, we'll take them into the room. In this particular case, we'll we'll do. The, I'll ask them if they want to do darts or putting. You know, I like putting. I'm pretty good at both. But um, but uh, yeah, then we'll, they'll decide that, and then we'll just uh, teach them something about the offense, of offensive play, and then we'll show them their tape and have them you know talk about their tape and ch- kind of checking their FBI out there, and then recall at the end to give us back what they learned in the beginning. And uh, it's the same process for all the players. Yeah, so a little fun, then, you know, get them relaxed, and then let's see some of your tape, and then we're going to give you one of our plays, and we're going to talk about your life, and then, oh, yeah, tell me about that play. So that's the process. Uh, would you do be the dart guy or the putter? Oh, I'd throw darts against them all day, even <laughs> now. I'm, a, I'm, you know, those kind of college no-brainer games, whether it's be pool or bumper pool or darts or ping pong, Let's go. I'm ready. And if that's going to elevate my draft status because I just beat you in darts all day. <laughs> I love how Flew says he's pretty good at both. I know with a putter in his hand, he's damn good. He, he loves the game of golf and he's very good at it. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, anything else on your mind before we wrap things up? Uh, it's going to be a heck of a couple of months. going to be a heck of a week here at the Combine. Rumors are going to be flying across the board, not just for the Bears, but for the entire league. And then, uh, you know, we got to see some of these guys. You know, some of these guys are not going to work out. That, that's, that's the case, including Caleb Williams. He's not going to work out, not going to be involved in the drills. He will meet the media, of course. Marvin Harrison, the same. Jaden Daniels, the same. I'm sure there'll be more. However, the plan is guys like J.J. McCarthy of Michigan, Oregon's Bo Nix, Washington's Michael Penix all plan to throw. USC's Pro Day is set for March 20th. LSU's is March 27th. Any more, I'm not surprised by any anybody not participating or participating. So I get it, uh, but what are your thoughts? You know, I really don't care about the guys that are at such at the high end of the draft that they're not going to do anything because they don't need to. But that's not how successful po- football teams are built. They're built by the guys that are going to be on their feet doing the drills, a guy that's going to blow our minds by having some sub-four or some unbelievable 40 that's all of a sudden puts him on the, the chart, i.e. Montez Sweat. And then you're going to start seeing the, the foundation of football teams that these guys play the 8- to 10-year careers that you, we always recall their performance in the combine. So I'm excited to see those guys because even in the, the combines that I went to as a player – there were the Elways and stuff that didn't want to play at the Combines, and I didn't care about them. I only cared about how I was doing. For all your journeys ahead, go with a partner who's been on your team from the beginning of the one members and communities have trusted for over 85 years. Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Illinois, always standing by you, with you, for you, through it all. All right, that's going to wrap up our podcast number 57. We'll be back with you next week, post-Combine conversation. Appreciate all your time, Tom. Be well. Enjoy the combine from your perch. Well, our next pod, our next podcast will be next year or last year's first rounder. It's number fifty-eight. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> Darnell Wright, tenth pick overall. For Tom Thayer, I'm Jeff Joniak. Thanks for listening, everyone. Please subscribe now on the Chicago Bears official app, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast. Bear down.